This internet broadcast was recorded for release on July 17th, 2021. It is a commemoration of the 18th anniversary of the death of the great keyboard player Rosalind Turek, who was born on December 14th, 1913, and died on July 17th, 2003. My name is Terry Noeltow, and I am honored that Lin Yen, the executive director of the Foundation for the Revival of Classical Culture, a not-for-profit entity in the state of Connecticut, asked me to prepare this internet broadcast. Lynn is a fervent admirer of the artistry of Rosalind Turek, and she knows that Rosalind and I were very, very close friends. She referred to me as her special friend, and I referred to her as my special friend. Although she had retired as a touring concert artist, she was going full blast. She was putting the finishing touches on her memoirs when I last saw her on what really was her 89th birthday. She lied about her age, as we discovered after she died, when her passport was examined. She was one year older than she said, so when I saw her for the last time in December 2002, I said, Rosalind, this year you are 88 years old, one year for every key on a Steinway Grand. Now you must go for the Russian extensions. Russian pianos often have 92 keys, four keys more at the bottom than a standard, if you will, Western piano. Rosalind smiled, tugged gently on my beard, as she had the privilege of doing, and said, No, dear, I'm going for an Imperial Bersendorfer. A Bersendorfer Imperial Grand has 100 keys. Alas, it was not to be. Early in 2003, the terminal illness struck. And by the middle of June, everyone who was close to Rosalind knew that the end was near. She was scheduled to give a master class at Jerome Rose's annual International Keyboard Institute and Festival at the Manus College of Music when it was on West 85th Street. Instead of a Rosalind Turek master class, a tribute evening was organized. 
David Dubal was the one who organized the troops, if you will. He called me and invited me to participate. And, of course, I was honored and eager to do so. And I remember what he said to me on the phone. Terry, we all know that you can regale us for a couple of hours with Rosalind Jurek stories. Please keep it to between 10 and 12 minutes. I was one of the few, I must say, who did as David asked. A recording was made that night to be taken up to Rosalind, who was in hospice care in her apartment in Riverdale. And several years later, the Turek Bach Research Institute, which was established by the terms of her revocable trust, sent copies of the recordings to those of us who participated. Here are my remarks from that night. I confess that the sound quality is not the best, but it'll do. Oh, my God. 
persuaded her to put them on deposit at the Rogers and Hammerstein Sound Archives at Lincoln Center so that archival transfers could be made. Among the treasures that we unearthed were the discs contained her debut with the New York Philharmonic in 1940. Rosalind played the Beethoven Cantor Concerto for her Philharmonic debut, the Browns B flat for Philadelphia. Chair onto the floor. <laughs> At her suggestion, we went to the green room. 
a sound to fill Carnegie Hall successfully for William Dow Harpsichord had to be amplified. While Rosalind practiced, I spent at least two hours hustling up and down the stairs and hopping from seat to seat on every level, from the parterre to the stratosphere, checking the sound from every possible angle and venue. After Rosalind, the audio engineer, and I were all satisfied that the amplification sounded natural no matter where one sat, she asked me to disappear for 45 minutes or so and then come back. Take any seat you want, Rosalind told me when I returned an hour later. I want to run through them. I sat in the middle of row H in the parterre. For an indescribable hour and a half, I was Hermann Karl, Count von Kaiserlin, and Rosalind was Johann Sebastian Bach. Later, when I thanked her for having given to me particularly special experiences of my life. I expressed regret that I had not had a tape recorder with me with which to record that run through. Terry, she said, there are some performances that, no matter how good, are destined not to be recorded. <laughs> this past December 12th, two days before her 88th birthday, I took the bus up to Riverdale and spent a couple of hours with Rosalind and her glorious apartment overlooking the Hudson and the Palisades. Ostensibly, she's on the 15th floor, but the numbering system in the building omits 13. Therefore, she's really on the 14th floor, and as we all know, 14 is the Bach number. Serafim Sinosian, the editor of Goldberg, had learned of my friendship with Rosalind and had asked me to interview her for his prestigious early music magazine, to which I am Igor Kipnis's successor as a just as she had in 1969, she met me at the door in a full-length house dress. I teased her about the cane she was holding in her hand. Rosalind, I said, the only reason you are carrying that thing is to whack people with it when you get when they get in your way. Once more, I heard that glittering silver, glittering silvery laugh. The time flew by as quickly as it always has when we are together, and just as, I, as in 1969, I was afraid I might run out of tape. While we were making our goodbyes that afternoon, I said, Rosalind, in two days you will be 88. One year from every key on a Steinbrook. <laughs> now you have to go for the Russian extensions. <laughs> she tugged gently on my beard, as she long has had the privilege of doing, and grinned as broadly as she did the day I showed up to record the interview for WPRB over 33 years before. No, dear. I'm going for an imperial prison. <laughs> Alas, as we all know, that is not true. If that is the way it is going to turn out, my visit to her on December 12 proves to be the last. The symmetry of the special pressure muscle in my right hand will not have gone unnoticed by either of us. In fact, I think she noticed it before I did, and that is that I think why when I
recordings and all the memories, many of which I can't share with you now. Sometime, let me tell you about the night that she and I had a chance encounter with Sean Penn and Madonna. <laughs> Fortunately, thanks to the recordings and to the memories, there is no female. Rosalind, my special friend, you were one of the dearest people I have ever known, and I am so grateful that I have been so lucky to be a major beneficiary of your unsurpassable generosity. Dearest Rosalind, my special, special friend, God bless you and keep you always. I can't apologize for the abruptness with which the track ends, because that's the way it ends. And I wish I had a better source for those remarks. And if you will, boosting the gain, boosting the volume on that, something that's beyond my technical expertise. I'm something of a selective Luddite, and in many ways, I'm flat-out computer illiterate. In my remarks, I made specific reference to Rosalind's debut with the New York Philharmonic in 1940, and the backstory that she told me about that performance which was given on March 17, 1940, when Rosalind was 27 years old. I've omitted the lengthy announcement at the beginning and will start with the first movement and play it straight through from there. You can decide for yourselves whether or not the fact that she had drunk that half a glass of gin had had any effect on the performance. Rosalind Turek, the Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra of New York, John Barbaroli conducting, Ludwig van Beethoven, the Piano Concerto Number no. 5 in E-flat major, Opus 73, the Emperor Concerto. <laughs>
performance of Beethoven's Emperor Concerto brings us to the intermission on this afternoon's concert by the New York Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra. John Barbaroli conducted, and the soloist was Rosalind Turek. We pause a moment now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. All I can say is, wow, what a performance. What a performance of Ludwig van Beethoven's Piano Concerto Number no. 5 in E-flat major, opus 73, the Emperor Concerto. Rosalind Turek making her debut with the New York Philharmonic, as it's now called, the Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra of New York. John Barbaroli was the conductor. That concert was given on March 17, 1940. And Rosalind may have told me that she was rolling drunk when she went out onto the stage because of that half a glass of gin that she had thought was water, but I've never been able to uh, to notice it. And if you can, you're a better listener than I am. I might also add, as a footnote that John Barbaroli was responsible for my first hangover. You may recall that in the presentation I made at the tribute evening, I told the story about listening with Rosalind to the recording of the six Paganini Etudes by Franz Liszt when she said that a friend recommended that she play all six she looked at them and worked them up in six weeks my mouth just dropped open in amazement it was the one time I ever saw her defensive she said nobody ever told me they were difficult those recordings from 1945, were published on a VAI audio CD entitled The Young Firebrand. My copy is inaccessible at the moment, I think because I may have lent it to a young musicologist friend of mine in Chicago for a project he's working on. And obviously there's not time to get it back in time for this memorial tribute made possible by the Foundation for the Revival of Classical Culture. However, there are some other performances of individual Paganini etudes by Franz Liszt. Not sure of the dates, but... These come from Rosalind's archives, and as she said to me, Terry, dear, any time you want to play them, play them. The etudes numbers 1, 2, and 4.
I can see her and hear her now. Nobody told me they were difficult. She played the spots off of them, didn't she? Rosalind Turek, in recital, three of the six Paganini Etudes by Franz Liszt, numbers one, two, and four. I wish I had the recording of the entire six. You should hear her in number three, La Campanella. Wow! Rosalind Turek is generally thought of as an artist who played Bach and nothing but. Nothing could be further from the truth. She was, in essence, pigeonholed by her audience and the critics. And, since Bach was her favorite composer, the one to whom she was most devoted, she went with the flow. But when she was younger, she had a vast repertory. Here is another example. This comes from the late 1930s or the 1940s. Once again, I don't have a precise date. Here is Rosalind Turek playing the Piano Sonata Number no. 2 in B-flat minor, Opus 35, by Frédéric François Chopin.
Rosalind Durek playing a piece that you wouldn't normally think she'd play. But that is a wonderful performance of the piano sonata number two in B flat minor, opus thirty five by Frederic Francois Chopin. Comes from Rosalind's private archive of recordings of her town hall recitals. Dates from the late 1930s, more likely the 1940s. Unfortunately, at the moment, I don't have a precise date. Now, before we go back to Rosalind Durek playing Bach, two more examples of Rosalind Durek playing music that you wouldn't think she'd ever play. I once told her, I said, Rosalind, you should give a series of recitals entitled Rosalind Durek Plays All the Pieces That You Never Think She'd Touch With a Ten-Foot Pole. How hard she laughed. She did bring some of that repertory back, however, but I'll talk about that later. Here she is, also from her horde of town hall archive recordings, in The Song Without Words, Opus 19, Number 1, by Felix Mendelssohn Bartholdi, and Guido Agosti's amazing piano reduction of the Danse Chatskai, the Danse Infernal, from Igor Stravinsky's The Firebird.
are examples of Rosalind Durek playing music that you'd never think she'd perform. First, the song without words, Opus 19, Number 1, by Felix Mendelssohn Bartholdi. Then, Guido Agosti's amazing reduction for piano of the Danse Chasky, the Danse Infernale, from The Firebird, by Igor Stravinsky. I find it difficult to believe, but it is the reality. We're almost two hours into this commemoration of Rosalind Durek, who died 18 years ago tonight, on July 17th, 2003. I'm about to remedy that, and there will be mostly, almost all Bach the rest of the way. But we'll have fun in the process. When we were working our way through her archives and the transfers that Sam Sanders at the Rogers and Hammerstein archives in the Library of the Performing Arts at Lincoln Center had made, we came across a transfer of a recital, a short Bach recital, that Rosalind gave in Berkeley, California, on August 15, 1946. And one thing that is especially interesting about this is it opens with a composition by Johann Sebastian Bach that she doesn't appear to have played again in public and certainly never recorded. It also happens to be one of my favorite keyboard pieces by Johann Sebastian Bach. On more than one occasion over the years, I politely asked Rosalind if she would bring it back into her active repertory. She didn't say no. She didn't say yes. She simply changed the subject. I'm sure you will agree that no one, no one, has ever played this piece more effectively. There's an interesting quirk about the recording. Whoever recorded it turned it down before he or she turned it up for the second lacquer, recorded on 78 lacquers. So, you'll notice this. There's a tiny gap. But, as my beloved father said, I'll paraphrase it, 97% of something is better than 100% of nothing. Here is Rosalind Turek, recorded in Berkeley, California, on August 15th, 1946, in the Toccata in C minor, BWV 911, by Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. 
take only one recording of Johann Sebastian Bach's Toccata in C minor, BWV 911, with me to the cliched desert island, 
That's one of the two performances I'd want. The other, the classic Marcel Maas commercial recording from the early 1930s. That performance was from a recital given in Berkeley, California on August 15, 1946. The evidence from the recording is that it was a radio broadcast. But wow, what playing. And as I say, I couldn't get her to bring it back into her repertory. I asked politely several times if she would bring it back. And as I said, she didn't say no. She didn't say yes. She just changed the subject of the conversation. Bless her heart. The next piece that she played in Berkeley on August 15, 1946, one of her favorites, the Concert nach dem Italienischen Gusto, the concerto according to the Italian taste, what we call the Italian concerto in F major, BWV 971. This appears to be the earliest recording that we have of Rosalind Turek playing the Italian concerto.
Turek, recorded in recital in Berkeley, California, on August 15, 1946. Johann Sebastian Bach, The Concert nach dem Italienischen Gusto, The Concerto According to the Italian Taste, what we call the Italian Concerto in F Major, BWV 971. Rosalind concluded that recital, which I think was a radio broadcast, with another favorite composition by Bach, the Partita Number no. 6 in E minor, BWV 830. Once again, I think this is the earliest recording that we have of her playing the piece.
Recorded in recital in Berkeley, California, on August 15, 1946. Johann Sebastian Bach, the Partita number no. 6 in E minor, BWV 830, from the first volume of the Klavierübung. The pianist, the incredible Rosalind Durek, who died 18 years ago today, on July 17, 2003.